Episode 82, Japanese Space Agency and International Collaboration with Professor Fujimoto Masaki. Hello and welcome to AstroTalk UK. ATUK is a not-for-profit podcast produced by me, Gurbir Singh, amateur astronomer and writer based in the UK. I produce this podcast for my own education and share it as a free educational resource with anyone who has an interest. ATUK has no subscribers, ads, and you do not need to log in. For more information, please see the About page at www.astrotalkuk.org. I need to give you a little background to this episode. This interview came about by chance. Professor Masaki and I were waiting in our hotels, which happened to be right next to the airport, for our return flight at the end of the International Aeronautical Congress in October 2018 in Bremen. Once I noticed the MMX logo on his laptop, I approached him and discovered that we had both attended the IAC. After an initial chat, we agreed to a hastily arranged interview, and this is the result. We started off by speaking about JAXA's 2003 Hayabusa 1 sample return mission to asteroid Itakawa. It returned to Earth with a tiny sample in 2010. In 2014, JAXA launched Hayabusa 2 to explore the asteroid Ryugu. Hayabusa 2 arrived at Ryugu on the 27th of June 2018 and will remain in Ryugu orbit until 2019. It will collect three tiny discrete samples between 0.1 gram and 1 gram in each case store them in separate sealed containers on board for return to Earth in December 2020, landing in the Woomera test range in Australia. Hayabusa 2 has four rovers, three of which have already landed on its surface. The rovers have a complex naming configuration, but in summary, Minerva 2-1 contains two rovers, Rover 1A and Rover 1B. They were successfully deployed on the 21st of September 2018. Mascot, a rover developed by the German and French space agencies, was successfully deployed on the 3rd of October 2018. The Minerva 2-2 contains Rover 2, a payload developed by several universities in Japan and is planned for deployment in July 2019. When we spoke about JAXA's future programs, Professor Masaki highlighted four potential projects in the pipeline. 1. The launch of the world's smallest lunar lander intended to be launched aboard NASA's Space Launch System in the 2020s. 2. Smart Lander for Investigating the Moon, or SLIM. It is designed to demonstrate the technology for precision landing on the Moon. 3. Selene R, a tentative joint JAXA-ISRO moon mission to soft land a rover on the Moon. JAXA 
want to apply the rover, and ISRO, the lander. 4. MMX, Martian Moon Exploration, a Martian sample return mission which is only possible with international collaboration, including US, France and Germany. To be launched around 2024 timeline, following a period of three years at Mars, it will return to Earth with a sample from Phobos in 2029. Fujimoto Masaki, yes. Deputy Director General of ISAS, JAXA. What's ISAS? It's a space science institute of the Japanese Space Agency. So we run, you know, private exploration missions or astrophysics missions. And, but you're not, your life didn't start off as uh, in space. Yes, I was, uh, I was working on theory of plasma physics, right. but around 15 years ago, I was, um, I was uh, asked to come to the institute, or maybe I was uh, pulled to come to the institute, <laughs> yes. so that um, the institute can expand the international collaboration program. And Japan has many programs in the past. It's always been involved in international collaboration. How important is international collaboration for JAXA? Oh, importance of international collaboration has been growing and growing, especially in these um, 10, 15 years. And now, into the future, uh, we don't think our L-class program, our large missions, mm -hmm. cannot be performed without international collaboration. I can tell you an example, mm -hmm. MMX, our mission to go to Martian moons, Phobos or Deimos, right. and to do the sample return. There are like something like uh, seven instruments on board, uh -huh. and three of them have the highest priority. Uh -huh. But then out of three, two will come from outside Japan, one from France and one from the US. And I think this is the model. This is what we, it will be like into the future. One from France and one from? US. US. Yes. Right. Uh, DLR is involved as well? Uh, DLR, uh, that's, uh, I'm sorry, I, I just happened uh, two days ago. And now DLR and, and CNES agreed that they will uh, collaborate to right. provide a rover on, on the moon of Mars. Right. So that's, you, you can call it another instrument, and that's another key instrument. So right. out of four key instruments, three will be from abroad. Right, MMX is a future mission, um, moon exploration, and these are the moons of Mars. Yes. Uh, so we'll come back to the present and the past, but this is the future mission. What sort of time scale for launch are you looking at? Yes, MMX is planned to be launched in 2024, one year cruise to Mars, right. three year duration of stay around the moons, mm -hmm. Phobos or Deimos, most likely Phobos, right. and then one year cruise back to Earth, and the samples will be, will be returned in 2029. And have you decided if it's Phobos or Deimos where the samples will come from? Officially, I'm not, I'm not supposed to tell, right. but as a scientist, Phobos is, has been always a priority. Right. And as, a, you know, as somebody supporting the engineering study, mm -hmm. you cannot do engineering study without fixing your target. Yes. So we have been studying <laughs> the mission, assuming that the target is Phobos, because uh, getting to Phobos is tougher than getting to Deimos. Right. And as an engine, engineering study, it's right. natural that uh -huh. you take Phobos as the primary target or for the study. I have to be careful here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm always interested. These are all quite tough targets. They're very small moons, very mm -hmm. far away, mm -hmm. to actually get into orbit, land on them, bring a sample. It's a huge challenge. But let me go back uh, to Hayabusa 1, yes. which is one of the very mm -hmm. first uh, 
mm-hmm. missions. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long ago was that? Was it about a decade ago? Um, launched in 2003 right. and sample returned in 2010. I think the sample return, the quantity of the sample return, wasn't as high as you anticipated. But um, all the other steps worked incredibly well, bearing in mind that you had to go out there, get into orbit, return, and you landed somewhere in in Australia. Mm -hmm. Yes, returned in Australia, yes. And what, is there any highlights from the science that came back from the analysis of the samples returned? Yes, the highlight is that, first of all, we went to the target asteroid Itokawa mm-hmm. to find that it's a rubble part. It's an <laughs> it's a, a assembly of rocks that must have been created out of, a, um, out of uh, you know, impact event from, you know, there must have been parent body that was, um, that was that got, got into pieces. Right. And the re- reassembly of, of those rubbles right. made the asteroid Itokawa. But seeing the detailed look of a rubble pile object is the first time ever. So I think that should be regarded as the, one of the highlights, which people seem to forget. Because right. there's an obsession that it's a sample return mission. We shouldn't talk too much about the remote sensing results. But I think that's, a, that's not the right uh, thing. So knowing it's a rubble pile, knowing that it was out of crash Mm-hmm. of objects, right. then the obvious answer is that when did that happen, when did that crash happen? Right. But if you get the samples back, you can date the events. And now we know that, that uh, the collisional process that created, that mm-hmm. led to the formation of, of Itokawa happened about a billion years ago. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's quite interesting, I remember the time when there wasn't any close-up images of asteroids, they were just tiny dots on yes. images. Uh, on space telescopes and the fact that it was rubble pile that was not known and it's uh, up until then people thought it was just a small body maybe just a large boulder a huge boulder but it was uh, and because it's a rubble pile presumably you can see different structures and you can see the different uh, constituents which would be on the surface rather than having to dig deep true Um, yeah and it uh, gives you the idea just Gives you the idea about the, its origin and uh, its, its history. Mm. If it's a monolith, it's then well, of course, you, you better understand its uh, composition, of course. Mm-hmm. But if it's because it's a rubble pile and uh, the target asteroid of Hayabusa 2, Ryugu, it's, it's also a rubble pile. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, you know, out there, must, yeah. uh, out there for billions of years, yes. the collision process must be going on. So I think rubble pile is the. It's something you should be interested in, and and, and that that the door into that science has been opened up by Hayabusa. It sounds almost negative to call it a rubble pile, but I remember the images of uh, the Martian surface from Viking mm. one two in the late seventies, and it looked like a rubble strewn landscape. But the fact is, this is part of our solar system. It's we're actually there, and you actually bring bits of it back to mm-hmm. Earth. It is, it's almost like dreams come true. It's exciting. Yeah, true. Like uh, if you study about the formation theory of, of solar system or planetary system, mm-hmm. you get to the, to the idea that after all, I mean, collagenal process is one of the key ingredients in, in the processes. Yeah. And then uh, collagenal process is something humanity don't really understand. You know, if, <laughs> yeah. you, if you make two things slide. Yeah. What's the size of the distribution of the debris? Right. You know, that's not an easy thing to answer. So uh, we, I think we're all interested in the origin theme. 
But at the heart of the origin thing, we have this most difficult question about understanding the original process. And, and by learning little bits uh, of uh, that kind of uh, phenomena in asteroids, it'll help un- understand what happened when the Earth-Moon system mm-hmm. were formed, because that also yes, came out true. of a giant impact. Yes. Yeah. We turn to Hayabusa 2, which has an incredibly successful week this week. Um, you know, we talk about the rovers uh, in a moment, but Hayabusa 2 uh, itself, uh, it's the, the spacecraft, is entirely Japanese. Yes, 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 the spacecraft itself, yes. And then you had uh, two rovers, the Minerva 1 and 2, and then the... Mascot. Mascot. From, yeah, from Germany and France. So Minerva 1 and 2, they're Japanese? Yeah, I usually call it Minerva 2-1 and Minerva 2-2, oh, okay. by the way. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yes, uh, one is from us, JAXA, and the other one is from the University Consortium. Uh-huh. And then the French, uh, then German, German French uh, rover from right. the, by the name Mascot. So in terms of size, um, the Minerva rovers were quite a bit yeah, smaller? It's, it's, yeah, it's really tiny. Yes, right. yes. And they were on the, the surface of Raigu. Mm. Um, Earlier this week? Uh, no, about two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Yes, yes. And what kind of science? Did, I take it they also didn't have a, any solar panels or the it does, it does, um, It's like this size. The surface is covered by solar cells, mm-hmm. so it's, it has a rechargeable battery. Right. On the other hand, the German French rover didn't have have the rechargeable battery. That's why it, it was dead in 17 hours. Right. But Minerva 2 1, mm-hmm. it's still surviving. Still surviving? Yes. Still sending data? Which is a surprise, pleasant surprise. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and, and besides, it's important to have them survive for a long time uh-huh. because uh, when we got to Ryugu, uh-huh. we find its face to be unfriendly. Uh-huh. We assume that there should be a smooth surface which, from which sampling is easy, touchdown and sampling is easy. But when we got there, we realized that, oh, you know. Everywhere is rough, uh-huh. it's not easy to land, uh-huh. but uh, we managed to um, define the landing site candidate for the sampling, uh-huh. but still we need more information. We still uh, need to learn how to improve our accuracy of navigation, right. and uh, we still have to have a better feeling about what, what, it, what, what it is like to be touching down on that surface. <laughs> so having a robot on the surface, Minerva and Mascot, uh-huh. and giving us the close-up image of the surface, it's science-wise important, of course, but it's not only science. It's not additional science to the main spacecraft. It's helping the main spacecraft mm-hmm. to have a detailed, safe uh, scenario right. for touchdown and sampling. So it's really now it's really a critical element of the mission. And, and how did you get the rovers Minerva and Mascot onto the surface? Did they? Was it just a question of when they were released by Hayabusa 2? Yes, or so did they have some propulsion on board on their way to the surface? No, they don't have anything. They're just free form. Yeah. But the, the main spacecraft takes them to something like 50, 60 meters above the surface. And that's where they are dropped, right. from that's which they are dropped. But then the terminal velocity on the surface is like 10 centimeters per second. So right. it's really soft. Yeah. And they manage, and if, even if the surface is rough, they manage to survive and, and uh, bringing us some incredible data. And one of the things that almost goes over my head is this idea that you've got Hayabusa 2 to within 60 meters of an asteroid. True. That's incredibly close, bearing in mind that you know, you're operating this spacecraft from Earth. 
<laughs> it, it's very scary. To, you, know, you could easily, if you get some of the maths wrong, then Hayabusa would actually make a collision with uh, the asteroid. Well, that's a good, interesting question because we have to touch and go anyway. So, oh, of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, so you've got two mini... I mean, let, let's just talk about the, this term rover. Mm-hmm. These aren't actually rovers because of this very tiny escape velocity. They don't actually have wheels. Do True, they? so they hop. Uh, there's an internal mechanism that's, mm-hmm. that you, you have an arm moving and yeah. then the body itself moves around. It's a bit like shifting the weight, True. and True. then it yes. moves along. Yes. And when that the Minerva hops, mm-hmm. it hops for 19 minutes, and then come down. So 19 it's like, minutes? Yeah, it's a, it's a, we call it hop, it's a, but it's almost like a flight, because of the microgravity. Yeah. And how high, what sort of altitude would it get? Uh, I cannot give you, I forgot the number, but you can imagine, you know, 19, I think 19 minutes is more. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing. Mascot has mm-hmm. been remarkably successful. I've seen some pictures from there. Yeah. And that was a, a, a French-German contribution. German-French. German. Be, be careful. <laughs> oh, is it? German-French. Right, okay. Yes. How big was that? It was quite small as well, 10 uh, Yeah, it's like, like this size. Right. And uh, 10, 10, 11 kilo, kilogram-ish. Right. Yeah. And the instruments it had on board were a camera, a radiometer. Yes. Magnetometer, magnetometer and then spectrometer, right. which will tell us the composition of this uh, weird surface. Right. The, the surface is super dark. It's darker than any meteorites we have on Earth. So right. must, anything, any that, that's, which means that any sample we bring back must be new. Uh-huh. But before getting the sample, spectrometer on the surface mm-hmm. should be telling us what that weird material is like. Right. Yeah. And um, that's it's only uh, had a didn't have any solar panels, so it operated for about 17 hours, yes. and now it stopped to, to work, yeah? Yeah, so I had a chat with the project manager of Mascot, mm-hmm. and of course she, she shed her tears, of course. Right. And uh, yeah, 70 hours. Yeah. yeah, it's not easy to judge. You can easily argue that why didn't you have the solar cell, why didn't you have the rechargeable yeah. battery, <laughs> but the, the, the answer from the LR is that cost and the schedule, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, we can always complain, but it's incredibly successful. True, I don't think so. Yes, yes. It's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. I know you have limited time, so I'm going to just ask a couple more things. Um, you've got another mission to the moon, the Earth's moon mm-hmm. planned, mm-hmm. Uh, Selene R. Yes. What can you tell us about that? Yes, Selene R is uh, a mission that's been, is, is being planned. Mm-hmm. It will land on the polar region of the moon, mm-hmm. and uh, then... There's a lander and then the rover, uh-huh. and then the rover will run around and then dig into the subsurface uh-huh. and get some samples and then bake it and then see what comes out of the samples. So it's a, it's a mission to, to detect and analyze the volatiles in the subsurface of the moon. So water ice is obviously uh-huh. one of the targets. Right. So when you say bake it, the purpose is to do a chemical analysis. True. Uh, yeah, it's like a gas chromat- chromatography, mm-hmm. that's the word. Um, yeah. You are at different temperatures, different, mat- different materials, depending on its volatility, comes out. And yeah. that's what we analyze using the mass spectrometer. And what collaboration is involved in that mission? Yes, it's a, a collaboration with India. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will provide the launcher and the rover. And uh, ISRO will provide the lander. That's the basic plan as of now, and it's ongoing. Right. And uh, what sort of time scale? Uh, Twenty early twenty twenties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
On top of all that, uh, what else is uh, are you planning in JAXA to in terms of our space activities generally and space exploration, solar system exploration in particular? Yes, so um, we had, we had Hayabusa two, and we will have MMX. MMX for us, MMX is a, a, another asteroid mission, mm-hmm. and we are interested in small bodies born in the outer part of the solar system mm-hmm. because they contain volatiles, they contain water in them. And it must have been them, one of them, some of them, uh, a, a class of them that brought water to Earth, which must have been born super dry. Earth was born in the inner part of the solar system, so at, at its original shape must have been super dry. So somebody has to bring water to make us be here today. I think it's nice to have a series of explorations to the small bodies, different small bodies, mm-hmm. but born in the outer part of the solar system. Hayabusa 2 is the first one. Uh, going to Martian Moon is the second one. Then we have a, we have a plan to go to Trojan asteroid of Jupiter. Right. So that yet that's yet another you know small bodies in the outer part of the solar system. Uh-huh. We have a plan to participate in NASA's uh, mission, which is uh, not selected yet, but uh-huh. it, it, it's in its final stage of selection. You know, it's a final candidate for selection, mm-hmm. and that is will bring samples back from a comet. Right. So a comet is another small body in the outer part of the solar system. So we have a series, we have a strategic right. plan to explore the small bodies in the outer part of the solar system. India announced its human spaceflight program. Um, JAXA have any intentions of going that far? Yes, uh, we, now we have the human, uh, human exploration program by participating to international space stations. Right. Now uh, that human exploration people are thinking about converting their program into the space exploration, uh-huh. you know, like uh, exploration of, of the Moon and Mars. And uh, in the new shape that we will be having, I think more collaboration, more communication between science and human exploration will happen, will be necessary for sure. And I think w- w- we at the Science Institute are happy to have discussion with them, with them and, and we are having discussion with them. Mm-hmm. And I think things will be in uh, good shape in next five, ten years. And MMX is uh, already one of the collaboration items. Well, Deputy Director Fujimoto Masaki, that's been fascinating. And it's great to hear that the work that you're doing out in these asteroids are really connected to us because they, as you say, brought water to the planet Earth. And without that, we wouldn't be here. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you.